Tilk asks if the ship has docking bay capables, docking bay capables, <laughs> docking bays capable. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hello. How's it going? I'm fine. How are you? Good. So sorry that I am so late. (laughs) It is okay. I sort of thought maybe you'd fallen asleep. I did. Yes, because I was tired. Well, obviously, but I got home from this work gathering, which was fine. But any large gathering takes a lot out of me. And I'm like, I'm going to take a a little nap and didn't bother to set an alarm because it was a good two and a half hours before we were scheduled to record. So I'm well, about like two hours before we were scheduled to record. So I'm like, there's no way I'm going to oversleep. And then, of course, I overslept by (laughs) half an hour. (laughs) So, yeah, it was like a two and a half hour nap. It was great. But then I felt bad when I woke up. I was like, oh no, Kathy. That's okay. I was giving it like another 10 minutes and then I was going to be like, nah, not today. I'm going to go swimming instead. <laughs> Fair. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean, oh, you can still go no, swimming No, it's totally instead. fine. I <laughs> was okay. planning on this. That was just like, oh, well, what else will I do with my night? <laughs> Fair. Yeah. Okay. So. Good times. Everything's fine. And I'm totally wide awake and. Yeah. Everything's What was your good. work gathering? We'd have a monthly department meeting and we went out for lunch instead of the regular monthly meeting since it's the last week of the semester and there's nothing that we need to talk about. Yeah. Was it good? It was tasty. I had fish tacos. Yum. Yes. I don't know. I think probably mostly because of all of my many years of waiting tables, I still get really stressed out in large gatherings at restaurants because I know how much I hated waiting on large tables and thankfully it wasn't bad, but like... You know, tables can sometimes take just way too long and leave awful tips, but I'm pretty sure we left a decent amount of money, and that's basically what I stress yeah. over is, are we going to accidentally just, like, destroy this guy's day by being a shitty table who takes up his time for way too long and then leaves an awful tip? But I don't think we would. No, so. you wouldn't do that. No. Fair. Well, I, <laughs> I don't get to necessarily see. True. What everyone else is leaving. Should loudly be like, this is the amount of tip that's acceptable. (laughs) Hopefully, no one here is cheap. Yep, absolutely, (laughs) absolutely. Want me to tell you what I did today? Yes, today I played with ChatGPT. Oh yes, you did. I noticed because I saw the many messages you sent, and they were great. I have not really uh, jumped into that at all, except today I was just thinking. And was like, well, why don't I open chat GPT and ask this question, which I was just asking. I don't know why today. I'm like, hmm, why do we call spam email spam? I should look that yeah. up. And instead of Googling it, I typed it into chat GPT. Yeah. So chat GPT is good for yeah. that kind of stuff. And I progressed to asking questions, kind of alternating between questions about the meat product spam and email spam. <laughs> I did ask if email spam could be eaten, would it taste like meat? Chat GPT did not think so. <laughs> then I asked, I think I sent you this one, would sending someone a lot of cans of spam and then saying I spam them be a pun? And of course, <laughs> Chat GPT was like, yes, that would be a pun. 
Then I asked who was the inventor of Spam, and it was like, it's a team of scientists and engineers at Hormel Foods, spearheaded by J.C. Hormel. And then I asked, do we know when the first Spam email was ever sent? And yes, the first Spam email, according to ChatGPT, was sent, or is generally believed, it says, to have been sent by Gary Thurk, a marketing manager, at Digital Equipment Corporations, selling uh, computers. That gets yeah. worse. Yeah. So then I asked if he regretted his decision. Gary. And they said no. He has not publicly <laughs> regretted <laughs> being responsible for creating spam. And then I asked if Gary had ever eaten spam. Jet GPT said it is not known. So I asked... Jet GPT to write a story about Gary Thurk eating spam for the first time. Can I read that to you? Yes, please. Absolutely. Gary Thurk, the man responsible for sending the first spam email in history, had never tried spam before. Despite being the unwitting father of a phenomenon that would become known as spam, he had never given the famous canned meat product a chance. One day, curiosity finally got the better of him. He was at a supermarket browsing the aisles when he saw a shelf stocked with cans of Spam. He picked one up, turned it over in his hand, and examined the label. It was a humble product, a mixture of pork and ham, but it had become an icon in its own right. Thurk decided to take the plunge. He took the can home, opened it, and peered inside. The pinkish meat didn't look particularly appetizing, but he soldiered on. <laughs> so brave. Yep. <laughs> he cut a slice and took a bite. To his surprise, he found that he liked it. The meat was salty, savory, and satisfying. It wasn't gourmet cuisine, but it was tasty in its own way. He ate the whole can, savoring every bite, and felt a strange sense of satisfaction. As he sat back in his chair, sated and content, he reflected on his strange journey. He had sent the first spam email in history, unintentionally unleashing a tidal wave of unsolicited messages upon the world. But now he had tried spam for the first time, and he found that he liked it. <laughs> it was a strange and unexpected turn of events, but Thurk felt a sense of closure. He had created something that had changed the world, and he finally had tried the product that had become synonymous with it. It was a strange but fitting end to his story. That is fantastic. Chat GPT does some truly impressive yes. work. I'm not done. <laughs> oh, because <laughs> it went it went places after that. So I started asking other questions about Gary and Jay Hormel, who was the spam inventor. <laughs> so I asked it to write a story where Gary goes back in time to talk to Jay Hormel about the first time he tried spam. <laughs> I asked him to write a story where Jay Hormel and Gary Thurk traveled to 2023 to stop spam email once and for all while also assuring the dominance of spam, the meat product, <laughs> over all other foods. Somewhat like the franchise wars and Taco Bell yes. being all yeah. restaurants now. <laughs> I asked him to write a story about Jay Hormel reacting to the Monty Python spam sketch. <laughs> I was not allowed to write a story about Gary Thurk teaching Jay Hormel how to sell spam because as an AI language model, it is not appropriate for me to generate a story that promotes unethical or illegal behavior. Thanks, ChatGPT. But then I was like, well, Jay and Gary have had some adventures. So maybe they should have some adventures in the Stargate-verse. So now the question is, do you want to hear any of the following? 
or like one of we can't spend all day doing this right I suppose not, but I'm thinking that they should just all go in the bonus feed, <laughs> whatever it is that yeah. you have that you're going to ask. So, okay, here was the first one. Write a story where Jay Hormel and Gary Thurk show Colonel Jack O'Neill two L's how to send email while eating spam. <laughs> Write a story where Daniel Jackson sends a spam message to Jay Hormel and Gary Thurk on how to become an ascended being through the magical power of spam. They respond and learn the secret ways of the ancients. Write a story where Major Dr. Samantha Dr. Carter shares with J. Hormel and Gary Thurk how she used Bam to power the Stargate. Please include somewhere Tilk saying, indeed. <laughs> I love all of these. And yeah, it's been way too long. We're past due for putting something in the bonus feed. <laughs> Fair. Particularly that Puchinski episode oh, has yeah. been on my to-do list for literally months now. I'm sorry, everybody. It's been a semester, which is why I fell asleep for two and a half hours. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and the last one I have in this set, I, I did a lot today. Well, ChatGPT did There's a lot. More. Write a story in which Master Braytac and Teal can list the aid of J. Hormel and Gary Thurk to stop the evil Gwauld from taking over Chulak using email spam. Jay and Gary use the magic of spam the meat to save the day. Please make sure Tilk says Apophis is a false god, a dead false god, somewhere in the story. Yeah. Then I, uh, then I uh, pivoted to Star Trek. So Ooh. I told it to write a story in which a transporter accident merges Gary and Jay into one person, like the Tuvix episode of Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> Gary the spammer and Jay the spam creator become Jerry the spam spammer. <laughs> and then I ha asked them to write a story about Jerry taking on the Borg. Yes. And then a follow-up where Catherine Janeway orders him split apart back into Jay and Gary. <laughs> <laughs> this is fantastic. I need to read all of these. There's more of them, but yeah. Do you want to hear any of these now? <laughs> One of them? None of them? I suppose we should get... Yeah. Well, how long are they? We should probably get... Yeah, I mean, they're all, <laughs> they're all about as long as the other one I just did. So, yeah. I would love to do all of them. But. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you want to do one more? Actually, do you want to do the this where Sam tells them about using the Stargate? Yes. I'll tack that second one like on the end of the yeah. episode. And then we'll do some extra <laughs> bonus episodes. Which has been reminding me that do you want to do that stupid Puchinski yes, episode at some point in the near do future? It. Let's Puchinski yes. it up. <laughs> Excellent. Have you ever had Spam? Oh, yeah. We used to eat it when I was a kid. Oh, I haven't really? had it in years. I have never eaten it. I should try it never eaten it i mean it's terrible for it's you. not that special but, either like yeah just it's basically just ham right how is it different from regular like, ham i know it is spiced ham but regular ham is often spiced also yeah i don't know it sounds like it's so i the origins of this as i learned today were that they had like a bunch of pork product they weren't selling so they needed to figure yeah. out what to do with it so they basically ground it up into a paste and made it spam oh okay yeah. so it's more of an extruded yeah. meat than uh an actual like cut of yes meat. And I see. Chat GPT calling it a, a combination of pork and ham, and I was like, mm. "Isn't but they're that both, they're, yeah, oh, the some magic thing. animal?" <laughs> yes, a ham is a type of yes. pork. <laughs> Magical, yes. <laughs> that is fantastic. That is an excellent way to spend your time today. I think it was good times. Yeah, there might there yeah. might be more in the future if I concoct more scenarios. Excellent. Like, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, if you if you read through this, Spam is definitely the hero of the story. <laughs> I haven't done all that much with ChatGPT, other than I tried to get it to write a hundred question, multiple choice 
test for me and it got to about 13 before it lost count and stopped and i did that like four times i kept telling it you've lost count at 13 and it would be like oh sorry i'll start again <laughs> like no. and then the same thing would happen and then i tried to have it write a marathon training program for Ooh. me and it gave me a program that would have like literally killed me and i was like chat gpt this is dangerous and it is like yes you are right this would likely be dangerous for most people i'm like can you give me one that wouldn't kill me and then it gave one that would be like completely woefully underprepared for a <laughs> marathon so uh, anyone listening out there i do not recommend chat gpt to help you run a marathon no i do recommend it though for writing spam fan fiction Mm, yeah apparently yeah. apparently that is what it is best at <laughs> and i've decided gary and jay are the best of friends of course yeah. why wouldn't they be <laughs> obviously yeah. i'm trying to think how do we segue now I don't, I don't know yeah i got nothing i got nothing again yeah i got no ideas for a segue <laughs> so let's just get right into the episode. Sounds, what are we talking about today? Sounds good. It is Stargate SG-1 Season 6, Episode 11, Prometheus. I hear you pouring something. Not pouring something, just drinking water out of a bottle. Ah. Since I just woke up and was in a hurry to get up here, I don't have anything interesting other than my bottle of water, which is probably pretty much always with me. I thought maybe your wine box was in the room. Oh, only <laughs> should have put it in here with my glass. I can text the wine clown. <laughs> I can't. I suppose I won't inflict that on everyone again. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Yes. I enjoyed quite. it. <laughs> oh, good. I hope other people did also. Yes, I hope everyone enjoyed it. Would you like to start the episode or would you like me to start I, the episode? Did you recap it for us? Oh, yeah. I did. There is a recap. Awesome. Uh, I don't think I ever even talk about like what re- well sometimes I mention maybe what episode is being recapped this is season 5 episode 11 desperate measures exits are sealed and the health of a billionaire is more important than you Sam as she's trying to escape whatever asylum closed down asylum he had her captured in apparently the going rate for a symbiote is 3 million dollars that's 5.3 million dollars in 2023 dollars for anyone that's counting Ooh. I did check Conrad has the totally fake disease known as Burchardt's syndrome with no cure besides a symbiote. Oops, now Conrad's a gold. Also, Q Simmons shot Jack. Spoiler, Jack did not die. And then kidnapped Conrad and they argued about some stuff. Yay. End of teaser thingy. Thank you. Flashback clip show. Whatever. Yeah. My brain is still not working. Just woke up. That's fine. The episode begins with Sam carrying a briefcase, leaving a building. Is there spam in that? You know, maybe there is spam in it. Mm. Because spam is magical and powers the Stargate. Yeah. Yeah, she's carrying her suitcase full of spam to her yeah. Volvo. Also full of yes. spam. <laughs> it's not the same classic old car that she had last time. This is a newer model no. Volvo. Somewhere on the internet, someone claimed this was actually Amanda Tapping's car, but I don't know if that's actually true. Oh. Because I could not find any source for it other than internet Fair. randos saying things. Fair. I could ask chat GPT. You, you could. <laughs> she stopped at her car by a blonde lady whose name is Julia Donovan, and she is a reporter. And she wants to ask Sam some questions because she's doing a story. I noticed a couple things about this person and also her camera person, which was one that they looked very familiar, but I didn't actually know anything that they've been in. Oh, yeah. I didn't recognize her and I 
Okay. I was going to ask if you had any idea because I looked on IMDb, but I guess both of them are kind of that people or that's, I didn't, that's person, I didn't recognize which guy was those with her people. when she comes up on Sam. I didn't notice because yeah. there were three guys, right? Oh, just, I thought that I, I looked one. So er, later in the episode, there's like multiple later, guys. Yes, yeah. No, sorry. I was just thinking about later when you see them. I definitely saw a guy I recognized that has been bit roles in other things. Uh, um, just in episodes and stuff. So I didn't really know him. And then the guy who plays Billy in Jose Chung's from outer space is also nice. one of the people later we see. And then Excellent. there's a third guy and I can't remember anything about him. <laughs> Anyway, the other thing I noticed is that she's even taller than Sam, and I looked it up, and she's 5'10", ah. versus Amanda Tapping's 5'9". Yeah. Mm. And I'm jealous of both yeah. of them. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> she is there to ask questions about a government project called Prometheus that's sucking taxpayer dollars away from somewhere without any approval. Sam's not going to answer any questions for her, but she persists, Donovan, not Sam, and pulls out a little vial of something, and she says it's precious tritium, and that it's uh, being used in connection with Prometheus, and that nobody has ever seen this alloy before. Would you like to comment? And Sam just gets in her car and leaves, basically. (laughs) And then we get credits. And after credits... Everybody is meeting and discussing what just happened out in whatever parking lot that was. Sam has told everybody the entire story. Of course, Hammond confirms that, yes, she's right to deny everything because that's going to continue to be their policy for everything regarding the Stargate program. But Sam is pretty sure that she was not actually successful in convincing this person of anything because they did have an actual sample of trinium, she thinks. But even the fact that she would know the name of it would mean that they've got a pretty serious breach of security somewhere. Hammond says the Pentagon will be initiating an investigation, or in fact already has. (laughs) And that reporter's phone and emails are going to be tapped, so that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And they're also watching her. She left Colorado Springs at 0930 and is heading to Washington, where they're sending Major Davis to go and track her down. We learned that they are planning on reporting on their non-story. They don't have a story really (laughs) yet, but they're planning on reporting on it in four days regardless. Then we are back with Julia Donovan. She's in a limo, having a talk on her phone, making plans, doing reporter things. When suddenly the limo slows to a stop and Major Javis just hops on in. (laughs) He introduces himself and she's like, please don't intimidate me. I have a question. Did we know already that his name was Paul? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I don't really know. Because remember way back, obviously, I'm sure you remember way back when Walter was called Paul, I think, in the transcript or something. And that's how he got his nickname of Walter because we knew his name was Walter. And then we also learned later that Gary Jones's character's name has, for now, the last name of Davis. So was Paul Davis initially supposed to be Gary Jones's character and then... They recast him as this guy when Gary Jones left, but then Gary Jones wanted to come back, so they gave him a new character? Is that what happened? I I got nothing. I tried to figure it out on the internet, and the internet had no information for me other than one place saying that Gary Jones's character was Walter Davis Harriman. (laughs) Okay. 
And I'm like, all right, well, that's yeah. weird. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah. All right. Fair enough. It will continue to be a mystery, Walter Harriman. Yeah. And Gary Jones. <laughs> and now also Major Paul Davis, which again, if they mentioned his name before, it did not register to me until now. <laughs> He's in the limo. Yes, he is. She says, you're not going to intimidate me. And because you're here, I know my story is important. (laughs) So good job confirming that. (laughs) Yes. Davis is like, yeah, you're right. It is super important. And if you tell anybody what you've learned, you're going to endanger people's lives. She mentions that she thinks this might be some kind of fusion reactor being built in the desert. Davis is like, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. It's <laughs> exactly what he yeah. was like. I almost thought that you were actually playing a clip from the episode for a second. She is not willing to give up her source. He threatens her with jail, basically, because he's like, oh, by revealing classified information, your source is violating 17 federal laws. Ooh, you're not winning me over here, Davis. He says that he is there to warn her. And that's all he's doing. And she lets him know she's made arrangements that if anything happens to her, the report is going out. So it sounds like she already made the news report. Yeah. <laughs> even though she has no information other than that they have an expensive project that involves Trina. Yeah. And that is it. That does not seem like enough to not really make headlines or report on. But here we are. Yeah. SGC is feeding right into it. Yep. Davis makes his way back to the SGC and is reporting to Hammond. They don't know where the leak came from still. They're trying to figure it out. And they're looking into the possibility of anybody from a technician to Senator Kinsey. Hammond asks how much Davis thinks she knows. Davis says that she thinks that Prometheus is some kind of a fusion reactor. And Hammond's like, well, problem solved then, right? Which I was also thinking, yeah, the same thing. If they don't know what it is, then does it even matter? But they still have the money trail and the trinium. So odds are, if she can get that much, she can get a lot more, according to Davis. They're at Hammond's office by now. They had been walking through the halls, and Hammond picks up his red phone and asks to talk to his bestie, but we do not get to see that conversation. No. (laughs) But... We do go back to wherever Donovan works. You're buzzing with excitement for the bearkeeper. Buzz, buzz. The bearkeeper is here. Buzz, buzz, buzz. Unauthorized and traveler. Thank you. <laughs> he has so many personas. Uh, he does. Who knew? <laughs> Now I have beer, which is good because I'm almost out of water and I'm quite thirsty. I have ginger beer and pineapple juice. I like ginger beer. I don't generally like things that are too gingery, but I do like ginger beer and ginger ale. Yeah, me too. Ginger ale that's made with real ginger is the best kind of Yeah. Not the one that's fake. No. No. Donovan's going to work. She walks into a conference room to have a meeting with her boss and surprise- Major Davis and Carter are there. And she what? is like, what the fuck? Did you recognize this guy? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Colonel Sanders? Yes. <laughs> From Spaceballs. Yes. 
I actually had to look it up because I was like, why does he look so familiar? He obviously looks different, yeah. not in his pseudo-military dress and with all gray and hair also, now. Yeah, it was a while, like, a little bit of a it gap between the two. About yeah. 20 years between the two things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was excited. Excuse me. Her boss, Colonel Sanders, tells her to calm down, have a seat. He tells her that they are not going to run her story because, as Major Davis says, the president called the CEO of their network and asked for a personal favor. She's pissed. Sam then asks for everything she has on her story. And she's like, no. And you can't force me to give you anything. And Davis is like, actually, we can and I yeah. was like, fuck you, Davis. But he's not. No, wrong, he's not. I just think this whole heavy handed government thing is gross. Um, Fair. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to take my story to the foreign press. And Davis is like, don't do that. And then her boss, Colonel Sanders, is what I'm going to call him. I don't even know what his yes. name is. Martel. Martel. But yes, yeah. I support your choice. <laughs> he's like, let's. Uh, Let's compromise. Why don't you show us, military people, all of the stuff about Prometheus and let us record it? And then, eventually, when you're going to make it public, we get first exclusive video of all of this stuff. We'll all sign a non-disclosure. The videotape will be the property of the Air Force. You're totally in control. So, he has this compromise. Sam's like, no. Donovan's like, this is not going to happen. But, you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Back at the SGC, Jonas is asking if she would really go through with it. I'm guessing that they're talking about whether or not the reporter would go to the foreign press. And Hammond has, says they have no way of knowing. But, of course she would. <laughs> if she really wanted her story yeah. to get out there, why wouldn't she? They're just briefly debating whether or not what they're about to do is the right thing. It seems like they're all kind of agreeing that it is. And what's even better than that is the fact that the producer, after Donovan left, agreed to reveal the source in exchange for a tour of the facility. So Colonel Sanders will be going with them as well on their little journey through whatever this project is. The Pentagon is who actually decided they should take the TV station up on this order, so they have no say in the matter, really. Davis and Hammond both seem pretty pissed about the situation, but because, as Hammond points out, again, the decision's already been made, so there's really no point in debating. That reminds me of a work meeting I was in the other day where this guy would not stop talking about all the reasons why a project shouldn't be done, even though the project has to be done, and I just wanted him to stop talking, and it was very annoying. <laughs> kind of agree with Jack, though, that it's a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I yeah. I mean, this the Davis even before <laughs> yeah. what happens. Yeah. Oh, Jack yeah. was there. I forgot Jack was <laughs> even there. Yeah, he says it's an insanely bad idea. It is. It things spoiler go yeah. badly, but yeah. Next, we're in the desert. There's a small square building that's yeah. checkered red and white with a fence mm-hmm. around it. This just keeps reminding me of various Michael Crichton novels because the first part was reminding me about Airframe and now this part is reminding me about Andromeda Strain. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Couple of cars drive up. Sam and Jonas and two 
SFs were already there waiting. It's Donovan and Martell slash Colonel Sanders and their camera crew. Sam introduces Jonas to them. And Colonel Sanders is like, oh, a billion dollars doesn't buy what it used to. And Jonas is like, you'd be surprised. And they open the door and it reveals there's an elevator and they're going to go down, down, down several hundred feet. That's a lot of feet. They get to the bottom and open the elevator door. Well, the elevator door opens. People don't manually open elevator doors anymore unless they're broken. But (laughs) true. Although there was a freight elevator where I worked that for a while you still, like it had doors, but you also had to close the cage and it wouldn't go if you didn't close the cage. It was weird. Oh, weird. And creepy. They don't use it. Maybe they do. I just don't use it. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) This has been elevator stories. We can't be. (laughs) The elevator comes to a stop. It opens. We enter a giant hangar. Where Sam introduces them to the X-303, a.k.a. Prometheus, and there's a very long, big ship. Spaceship. Not watership. Spaceship. It looks kind of like an aircraft carrier a bit from certain angles. Do we think this is supposed to be the same ship from that zombie wannabe X-Files episode? It doesn't look the same, but... I don't think so. Where else would they have gotten... I mean, I know they were working on building it, but... I don't know. That's what happened to that other ship then, if this isn't who knows. it. Yeah. The tour begins. They head inside and are wandering around the corridors. Donovan, the reporter, says that it would take at least twenty Saturn rockets to get the thing off the ground, let alone in orbit. And of course, Sam is there to give more details about the technology and says that it's the third in a series of designs that incorporate human and mm. alien technology. Colonel Sanders is shocked. He says, you are saying little green men helped with this? And Sam's like, no, but they're actually great. <laughs> and then they give a bullshit story about the key systems being reverse engineered from a ship that crashed hundreds of miles from Fairbanks, Alaska in 1978. And only the last few years of that time span since then has Earth technology evolved to the point where they could actually figure out what was going on on that <laughs> ship. I had just assumed that this was yet another extra ship that they found that we didn't know about, like all the things that they keep finding buried in Antarctica. (laughs) But then Jonas quietly is like, Fairbanks? (laughs) And Sam whispers back, it's better than Roswell. (laughs) So that whole story, as I said, was a lie. They make their way to the bridge, which Donovan notes does not look very alien. And Sam's like, well, we based it off our own standard designs since it's going to have humans powering it and controlling it. So that would make more sense. But the hard part of the whole thing has been trying to make the various crystal technologies that the ship is based off of compatible with the wires and chips that they've had to also use to make various controls work in a manner that would be familiar to people that would be controlling the ship. Donovan tells the film crew that is also there following them around to set up in there. Meanwhile, she's going to have Sam take her on more of a tour. Why she's going to have Sam take her on more of a tour without the film crew, (laughs) I have no idea. But they leave the entire film crew behind so that Colonel Sanders and Donovan can get a private tour with Sam and Jonas. Yeah. They continue their tour, walking along. 
Sam says the ship can reach orbit in under 30 seconds, and because of the inertial dampeners and artificial gravity, it won't feel any different than riding a fast elevator. I believe you meant inertial dampeningers. Inertial dampeningers. You're right. I did. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) She also tells them it's going to be a while before it's ready to fly because a lot of the support systems are not yet there or intact or operational. Yeah. That's that scene. (laughs) (laughs) It was very short. Meanwhile, on the bridge, one of the camera guys has a zat in his camera, and he shoots the guards that are there. <laughs> and that's that scene. <laughs> Seriously, though, why didn't they do a better job of checking the equipment of the I camera crew? I don't know. That was weird to me, too. Like, wouldn't yeah. they have at least opened it all up and made sure? Exactly. Yeah. Or sent it through an x-ray machine, or like you said, probably had them open it up. Like, even just going through, well, granted, it's changed a bit over the years, but like... The airport security has at times like made you turn on your computers yeah. and stuff like that. It made no sense to me that they would be able to hide a zat gun in a camera. Yeah. Bad security, guys. Right? <laughs> we just keep seeing so many examples of bad security in all these episodes. <laughs> I feel like if they didn't have so many security issues, we wouldn't really have a show, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> Here we are. Also, I like that your username is Storytime. Oh, I just thank noticed. you. <laughs> <laughs> Sam brings Donovan and Colonel Sanders to the engine room where they talk more about it and she shows them the hyperdrive. Apparently it can go 110,000 miles per second when not using hyperdrive. That's fast. But they also have the hyperdrive. (laughs) (laughs) So they're just marveling at that. That's that scene. Yeah. And then there was what I'm sure was your favorite scene of the entire episode, which is the camera crew dragging some unconscious bodies around while in the foreground, some lady is clack, clack, uh, clacking away on the keyboard. Yeah, she was a clacky <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah, best name for an episode, yes. <laughs> and that was that scene. She's trying to do some hacking into some system, presumably. (laughs) They have a monitor facing away from her that is also apparently showing the same thing that she's looking at or presumably Hmm. seeing. I don't know. But I thought it was weird that we get a close-up of a monitor that is facing away from her (laughs) as she's typing. It was weird. A little bit. Yeah. In the engine room, whatever she's clacking about up in the bridge has gotten Sam's attention. There's a beeping. She's like, uh-oh, our simulations we were running have been interrupted. And there's no other thing going on today that should be interrupting it. She calls to the bridge. The SFs do not answer. Jonas suggests maybe the comm systems aren't working yet. So she's going to go check it out in person while the rest of them stay there. Back with the fake camera crew. Jones is the name of the hacker. Has gotten into whatever thing... <laughs> she's getting into and smith another guy tells some other guys to go get the other guys it's a very exciting scene thrilling yep i'm so in this oh they have guns now too not just zats but they're walking around with guns also yeah those two guys who were told to go get the others run into major carter in the uh hallway and they're like hey 
And she's like, aren't you supposed to be on the bridge? And he's like, mm, we were having some trouble. But then Sam realizes something's going on. The guys pull guns, but she starts fighting them. She has some impressive she kicks. Does. Like, she kicks one of them halfway, like, <laughs> several feet <laughs> back. And Yeah, don't mess with Sam. And then no. she runs off before they can shoot her. Down in the engine room, Donovan asks Jonas what's going on, and he says that someone's trying to lock down the ship so that nobody can get out. And he is not able to stop them from... Does he even have a computer? I, I think he was... Know. Maybe he was looking at a console. I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> He's somehow going to try to slow them down, even though he can't stop them from locking down the ship. And then out in some hallway, another film crew person named Sanderson is talking to Smith, the other film guy from before. They're looking for Sam, trying to chase her to wherever she has gone. But thankfully, this ship has as many convenient nooks and crannies as a good old mothership does. So Sam is hiding around a corner as they're running around looking for her. And she goes through some doors, and those doors close before the guys can go in after her. Yeah. Yeah. One of the guys radios up to Clacky Lady... Clack bitch, clacky bitch. I don't, anyway, to the woman on the bridge, he radios up and asks her to seal a room. And then she seals Sam in the room that she's hiding in. And the guys are like, cool, we don't have to deal with her anymore. And they leave. Down in the engine room with Colonel Sanders and Jonas, Jonas takes a control crystal, also known as an isolinear chip. <laughs> Out of something that looks important. Back in the storage room with Sam, she's trying to radio out to people, but nobody can hear her on her regular radio. Back in the engine room again, Donovan and Jonas are still there. When the camera crew gets there, she asks what the hell's going on. She seemed to recognize these camera people. Obviously, they came there with her today, which really got me to wondering just so many questions about how this whole scenario came about where... They brought a camera crew. Like, presumably, she knew them. Yeah. Otherwise, if she didn't know them, then why wasn't she like, huh, weird that I have an entirely different camera crew than I would normally have? Yeah. My understanding is that the camera crew for a show is like the camera crew for a show. So she should know these guys. And so did they just show up that day? And no, we get that answer later that they've been in place for like a year. So I guess she's been working with them for that entire year. But were they just working on her show for an entire year just on the very off chance that someday they would have the random opportunity that only just by chance happened I sort of feel like it's a situation where they start working there, but the plan is to actually start feeding her the information in order to make it to this point. Okay, so she, you think that the camera people are actually who gave her her Not, information? No, but I think they worked with the people who oh. did. So this was all all a big plan to, yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. I just thought that it seemed like such a long shot to be like, yes, let's infiltrate <laughs> the camera crew for this show and then somehow arrange for them to go and look at this top secret project that nobody is going to ever be allowed to take cameras into and just... By luck, they happened to manage to worm their way in. Yeah, I I, I feel like they... It felt like a weird stretch yeah. and confused me. 
Anyway, when she asks the camera person that just came bursting in what's going on, instead of telling her what's going on when she asks, they just tell her to shut up. And they still have their weapons drawn, of course. Jones, the clacky keyboard bitch, radios down to this guy, Smith, to say that they have a problem and the computer has been tied up with a diagnostic program. So it seems that's what Jonas has done. (laughs) And so now clacky bitch needs Smith to go and shut down the computer altogether to stop the diagnostics. So they're going to go do that. He tries. They try to clack on their own set of keyboards, (laughs) but the controls are frozen, apparently. I'm getting confused by the fact that we're calling the director guy Colonel Sanders. Oh, God, there's a Sanders. Sanders. (laughs) So I was like, wait a minute. Was he here? I don't remember him being here. Wait, no, that's a different person. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Everything's fine. Although he actually was there for this scene. Yes. But didn't do the things that Sanderson was doing. Anyway continue jones is like you really gotta close this because we're going to totally fail on our mission if you don't and then martell slash colonel sanders just rats out jonas for taking out the control crystal yeah yeah so he gets it for them and they're gonna put it back in and then they'll have control again yeah they figure it links the computer the human computer to the alien systems sure If you say so. In some storage room, in the storage room, not some storage room, in the storage room in which Sam is trapped, she's just going through a whole bunch of stuff. Because now that Daniel is gone, the role of person who keeps going around touching stuff (laughs) will be played by Sam. Although occasionally it is played by Jack, but this time it is Sam. (laughs) Opening things, picking them up, putting them back down, closing things, just going through the room, touching stuff. The bad guys managed to get the diagnostic to stop running. And they start to turn on the hyperdrive engines. Donovan, the reporter, just because there's so many names, I'm just going <laughs> to ask Jonas, is it a good idea to turn on the hyperdrive while we're on the ground? And Jonas is like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> that seems yeah. like a very bad idea, in fact. Unless you're trying to create an overload which apparently will make an explosion large enough to take out all of nevada that seems bad that does seem bad and smith the bad guy is like yeah but don't worry about it as long as our demands are met everything's gonna be fine demands god (laughs) what demands would those be so entitled right (laughs) seriously on the surface jack is so angry (laughs) They have some kind of like a command center set up outside in a tent and Jack just bursts out of an SUV that pulls up and starts screaming at Major Davis, (laughs) wanting to know what happened. And Davis just gives him a very short rundown of basically they stole the (laughs) X-303 or are currently stealing it and they're threatening to blow it up. And of course, Jack knew that this was a bad idea, so... (laughs) He's not surprised and just continues to rage, essentially. Davis says they're getting some energy readings that confirm there is an overload building up in the ship's generator, so that's bad. And as Jack points out, this is supposed to be a secure facility, so how the hell did this happen? They figure it must have been the camera crew, and this is when we learn that they have been in place for over a year because Jack asks about their background checks. One of them was even a decorated Marine. Again, still, it just seems weird to me that they would have planted them in place like a year before just 
on the off chance that maybe someday they got a camera crew into something important. Then some random technician comes up and says they're receiving a transmission from the hijackers. So they're going to go and talk to them. Davis gets on the radio and Smith says, I'm sure you figured out that we're not bluffing and we're going to blow up your stupid hyperdrive. And what they want, their demands, are that two prisoners be released. One is Colonel Frank Simmons and the other is Adrian Conrad. And they have three hours to deliver them or the ship will be blown up. And I guess Nevada with it. In her storage room, Sam is making use of all the stuff that was left there. Indeed. She manages to get a radio working or create a radio. Not really sure. Yeah. Would we say that she has MacGyvered this or Sammed this or Sam Guyvered this? I was thinking MacGyvering, but it also is Samming. Yeah. Like I vote Sam, Sam Guyvering. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she Sam Guyvers a radio. Yeah. Up above, Major Davis is talking to somebody after he gets off the phone. Sam Guyver would be a good name for her and Jack's kid. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> all of them. Sort of like George yep. Foreman. It's like Sam yes, Guyver's exactly. all the way down. Yep. Sam Guyver, yep. the first and second and all. Yep. Davis reports to O'Neill that the Joint Chiefs are calling an emergency meeting. Then the technician lets them both know that they're getting another signal from inside, but on a different frequency. They hear that it is Sam. Jack picks up the line and is like, what's up? And she's like, I'm locked in a storage room. He asks what happened. She confirms it was the TV crew with a Zat gun. Major Davis lets her know what the hijackers are demanding. The release of terrible people. Then he says we believe this is a rogue NID operation. Which, I don't think that NID needs to be involved in all of this. Even as a rogue. I don't know. It was weird. I... Got the impression that once Mayborn left, pretty much the NID... Well, I guess they didn't really stop their involvement in shadiness because they were involved in the weird X-Files episode. Yeah, I don't know. Well after Mayborn was on the run. So never mind. It's always the NID. (laughs) Always the NID. Jack asks Sam if if they can get that ship off the ground. She's like, "Mm, it might lose in structural integrity, but he wants to know if it's going to fly. And she says, sure it will. Major Davis has a mission for Sam, and that is to try to get to Deck 8 and sever the connection to the sublight control relays, which will ground them. Sam's game for it. She's got a plasma cutter, and she loves cutting through doors just like everyone in the SGC. Absolutely. Unfortunately, it's going to take a while because the door is made of trinium. And he's like, you've got less than three hours. And she's like, great. (laughs) Got it. In the engine room, Donovan, the reporter, and Colonel Sanders are waiting. Donovan is pissed that Colonel Sanders sold them out and told them about the crystal that Jonas removed. And he's like, well, they're paying me a lot of money. So here we are. (laughs) Fun. Jonas says that there's only two ways off of the ship, and that's going to be handcuffs or a body bag. So I guess Colonel Sanders won't ever actually get to spend the lots of money that he's being paid. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, Sanderson says, who says we want to get off the ship anyway? Back in Sam's little storage room slash 
makeshift secret lab. Sam Giver room. <laughs> Sam Giver. <laughs> Sam Giver room. She puts on a welding helmet and gets started with the plasma cutter, trying to get her way through the door to get out. Outside, Colonel Simmons has already made his way there. That was fast. Yeah. Where was he in the country? I was going to address that because I'm pretty sure that they said that he was going to be at, I might be wrong, but like I've thought that he was being kept at Leavenworth. Uh, I right? don't know. I really have no idea. Yeah. But well, I'll talk about it later. Three hours isn't but a lot of travel time. I'm pretty sure. That's right. I thought he was and my phone randomly fell oh, off my no. desk. That's totally normal. <laughs> Simmons is in a car van with Major Davis and he's being Simmons. He's like, well, this wouldn't have happened if I were in charge. And you've got me down here to retake the ship, huh? And Davis is like, no, it's because they're going to blow up the ship unless we do what they say. And Simmons is like, what's that? And he's like, they want you. And Adrian Conrad. So I noticed that Davis addressed him as colonel, and that's what got me into researching what happens when someone is arrested in the military. Do they keep their rank? And if he was, in fact, at Leavenworth, then the answer would be no. But it seems to maybe vary a little bit with different branches of the military. But Leavenworth, while it's run by the army, is used for people of all branches in the military. And if he was, in fact, at Leavenworth, he would be stripped of his rank and just called inmate instead. But then there were other references that I found in like some Navy corrections manual saying that pre-trial they can wear their rank, but post-trial they are stripped of their rank. But again, that was the Navy, and I don't know that it would apply to the Air Force. So. Does that apply only if they're convicted of something? I don't okay. know. It's, if he was being held at Leavenworth, uh, it didn't okay. say specifically. Interesting. But I thought, and again, I might be wrong, but I thought that that's where he, they said that he was being held. Uh. But <laughs> I don't know if that applies to pre-conviction or post-conviction. Yeah. Because I'm wondering if yeah. they convicted of him of anything or just locked him Probably up with Adrian Conrad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Would he be called Colonel still? Probably not, but potentially. Yeah. Maybe. Davis figures that Conrad and Simmons are in this together and they are trying to get out of here. And Simmons is not going to give him anything. He's like, I can't help you. Davis is like, hmm. Tell me what I need, or I'm going to turn you around and take you back to your box. And Simmons is like, yeah, right, huh? <laughs> You're just going to let that ship blow up in the desert? Mm. He bravely volunteers to board the X-303 in the interest of saving lives. Oh, of course. It's definitely not self-serving. No. And he needs a change of clothes first, though. Something nice. Of course. Back on the X-303, they are in the engine room, and the delivery, presumably being Simmons, is on its way, Smith says to Sanderson. But they've got a problem, because somebody recalibrated the ignition module, and now the settings are all wrong. Jonas says it wasn't him. I would guess maybe Sam? Who knows? Or Jonas is lying. Yeah. Either one could be possible. So they need to go and work on that because being off by as much as 1% means the engines aren't going to start and they will be stuck there and that would suck for them but would work well for everyone else. So Smith asks Jonas for the settings but Jonas says he has no idea what he's talking about because again Jonas says it's not me. Smith takes a gun from one of the other bad guys and points it at Jonas and 
Martell slash Colonel Sanders gets in the way and is like, wait, this wasn't part of the plan shooting people. And Smith is like, I'm improvising. And then he shoots Colonel Sanders. <laughs> That's quite an improvisation. Yeah. yeah. I guess Jonas gives in. Then he moves to the console in any case and seems to be working on something. Smith says, don't make any mistakes. Yeah. Because both he and Donovan are going to die <laughs> if he makes any mistakes. <laughs> Up above, Teal'c has arrived. Yay, finally. Wearing a black beanie. Pretty standard these days. Yeah. He's arrived to tell everyone else that Adrian Conrad has arrived. Woo. And that Conrad was uncharacteristically <laughs> silent for a gold. <laughs> he asks if they've heard anything from Sam, but not yet. And then we get down to Sam in the storage room, still cutting away. Cutting away, and then we f- go back up. Apparently, they've hit their three-hour mark, surprisingly. Having two people travel there, whatever. Yeah, where were they? Like, where was Conrad being kept? Where were they coming from? Know. Also, where is Leavenworth? I think... Okay, now I've got to do that search real quick. If I'm right about Leavenworth. Oh, that's clacky. Where is that? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You're a clacky bitch, too. I am a clacky bitch. <laughs> and I like it. Okay, so that's in northeast Kansas. Mm. How long does it take to get from Kansas to the middle of nowhere in Nevada? I am going to assume more than three hours. I feel like, yes. How much is a flight from Kansas to Nevada? I don't know. Sorry, 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 sorry. (laughs) I know, it's a super clacky keyboard. Four and a half hours. Okay. For the fastest flight that I'm seeing, this is just, I mean, a random one from Wichita to Nevada. But assuming that they could go faster in military jets they would still need to drive to get to whatever tarmac they need to get to and then drive to get out here in the middle of the desert so three hours does not seem like enough time to get them from wherever they were so they've hit their deadline yeah so they're gonna send in the prisoners yeah they got them there magically fast just like they got to antarctica magically (laughs) fast a while back we get another very quick shot of sam using her torch still which is not important other than that they're just adding to their door budget Still in the engine room, Jonas says that he's fixed whatever issue it was. And now the sublight engines are online. But Jonas tells them that even if they get the ship off the ground, they're going to track these bad guys wherever they go. But they've got a hyperdrive, so it doesn't really matter because it's not like they would be able to follow wherever the bad guys decide to go. Jonas says that the hyperdrive is not really operational yet. And that is not technology that he can help them with. And then the conversation is interrupted by Adrian Conrad, who can help them with their hyperdrive, he says. If they give him cookie. cookie. (laughs) Simmons is also on the ship. He goes to the bridge. Jones reports everything's good to go. And he orders the docking clamps released, which we see happen. (gasps) Outside in the command tent, the tech from before notices that the ship's getting ready to take off. And this does not bode well for Sam because the room that she is stuck in is not going to survive outside of the atmosphere, basically. They haven't finished the siding for the ship in all areas. And so the deck that she is on is not pressurized and she will get blown out of the ship. If she doesn't manage to get out of her closet in time. So says Davis. 
Simmons radios down to Davis that they would like to leave and please retract the roof. Davis is like, her, her, gotta wait a few minutes, we're busy, <laughs> problems. And Simmons is like, LOL, no, open it now or we're gonna blow everything up. Meanwhile, Sam has finished cutting through her door, pushes the block of trinium out, puts cloth over the bottom part as she climbs out, which I thought was very smart. Yes, quite. Yeah. It's probably both hot yeah. and sharp. <laughs> They're counting down to take off. The engines are on. Sam's realizing what's going on and she's like, oh crap. The roof opens and the ship starts to go up. Salmon, Salmon, <laughs> Simmons gives the order to take them out of there. He's sitting in the captain's chair, just like all of the various Star Trek captains that he's harassed <laughs> over the years. I was thinking too. Woohoo! Happy launch day. Hope they broke out some champagne. <laughs> Crack it over on its maiden voyage, right? Yeah. I'm sure they're gonna go through that ceremony outside. Our ship's being stolen, but hey, good luck. It's not really a ship if you don't do it. And exactly. It has to be the first one. Has to be. <laughs> I noticed too, so this ship does in fact take off. It lifts up out of the ground, takes off into space, and it's not really shaped like a triangle wedge, but from the behind, it looks an awful lot like a Star Destroyer, like it wants to be oh. a Star Destroyer. Hmm. I thought. I to keep an eye on it. Yeah. Only from certain angles. Anyway, Sam is crawling around on the ground. There is a lot of air leaving. <laughs> the deck currently but she does manage to make her way into some sort of an access shaft or something and shuts the door behind her and seems safe in there back down in the tent on earth the tech says that they've made it to low earth orbit Tilk asks if the ship has docking bays capable of receiving an x302 Davis says they don't have any x302s at the time but Jack says they've got a death glider from Anubis I don't remember that, but okay. <laughs> and so they're going to go use that. The radar system on X-303 is not complete, so probably they can get all the way there without being noticed. Yeah. I think that, did that come into their possession when Oh, Thor yeah, way back. Okay. Over or? Yeah, yeah right. Yep. That came in way a long a while time ago. ago. Yeah. I forgot about it. The X-303 is up orbiting Earth. The bad guys have moved Donovan, Jonas, and the SFs into a different area than the engine room, which is probably, I mean, and from their perspective, a very good idea, especially because Jonas keeps fucking with things. Donovan asks if the guy with the weird voice was an alien. We're probably not going to survive, so you can just tell me. And Jonas is like, oh, we might get out of this. We've been in tougher situations. And then Simmons comes in. He says he's there to say hi to her. He's a big fan of her work. And, oh, you must be Jonas Quinn, our new alien friend. And she's like, you're an alien too? I don't believe this. (laughs) Channeling what's her face from Star Trek. I don't believe this. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not getting it right, but... Or... I got it. I can't believe what I'm hearing. That was a British (laughs) Hammond. Anyway. I can't believe what I'm hearing. Well, I mean, he kind of does sound oddly British. I don't believe what I'm hearing. (laughs) Anyway. 
Jonas wants to know where the ship is going. Simmons is like, don't you worry about that. Just relax and we'll let you go when this is all over. Lulz. Jonas is like, don't you think it's a bad idea to work with a gold? And he's like, it's in his best interest to work with us and we can deal with him later. Jonas asks about Sam and he's like, well, mm, she's dead. And then he leaves. <laughs> yep. But of course, Sam isn't dead. We know better than that. And she starts climbing a ladder in whatever random tube she's found herself in. And then she gets to a horizontal tube. <laughs> it goes that way. So she's crawling around in the various tubes, diehard style. Out in space, we see a death glider heading towards the Prometheus. On the bridge, there's a beeping sound. And the sublight engines are no longer online. Oops. Jones says that she's got no control, even though they still have full power of the ship. So this was not something that they were anticipating. Sanderson says that the circuit's been cut from deck eight. So now I guess now we know where Sam has made her way to. <laughs> Simmons sends some people down there to go and find Sam and try to remedy this situation. And then he calls down to the engine room. Conrad answers. And Simmons wants an update on the hyperdrive. But Conrad's working on it. It's incredibly crude. And it amazes Conrad that the race that is as backwards as yours could even contemplate interstellar travel. And Simmons is just basically like, whatever, shut the fuck up and keep working. (laughs) Somewhere on the 303, presumably somewhere near deck eight, maybe, where they're looking for Sam. The bad guys are looking for Sam. But... She pops out of hiding and starts fighting them. Unfortunately, there's three of them. So they eventually have guns trained on her and she's like, okay, crap. And it looks like she's about to get shot when suddenly the three guys are zatted from behind. Woo, it's Jack and Teal'c. (laughs) Yes. To save the day. Yeah. On the bridge... Jones is reporting their orbit is decaying, but fortunately Conrad has gotten the hyperdrive operational and they are ready to go into hyperspace. They have coordinates to go to that they got from Adrian Conrad, so we know they're from a trustworthy source. Of course. Yeah. So they get the hyperdrive working. They jump to somewhere. And back down on Earth, the tech reports that the ship has just disappeared. That seems bad. We do get an external shot of the ship moving through hyperspace. Jack asks Sam if she's able to shut down the hyperdrive from the engine room where they're hanging out. But Sam says the computer's been reprogrammed and she doesn't have the proper access codes. So they're going to have to go and find the others. They leave the room. On the bridge, Simmons calls to the bad guys who are not answering and when they don't answer he leaves the bridge to go and look for them as he's about to leave though conrad just jumps him and knocks him to the ground (laughs) and then starts choking him yeah simmons or somebody manages to shoot him several times we don't actually see where the gun is and his eyes glow all of sg1 comes in to find Conrad and Jones down on the ground. They're both unconscious, I guess, at this point. Jones 
is there as well and injured but alive. Did you? Okay, so when yeah. Conrad is attacking Simmons, he hits her and she flies backwards and into the chair and console where she was sitting and she just lands so awkwardly. Oh, <laughs> I, I didn't like, even notice. Oh, that looks real bad. Yikes. Yeah. No, I totally missed that part. <laughs> Oops. Well, I mean, she was clacking at you, so I guess she had it coming. Yeah, I mean, she's not dead either, so. <laughs> yeah, she's not dead. She's fine. Conrad, on the other hand, yeah. he's dead. <laughs> but I like, too, because they talk to her, right? They are asking, like, where the hostages are. She basically, like, opens yeah. her eyes long enough to answer and then, like, lays right back down in her awkward position and goes back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they're going to go and check the supply room on deck four to see where the hell everyone else is. Sam, however, is going to stay on the bridge just to keep an eye on things. Jack and Teal'c are on the move. And Simmons kind of ambushes them and starts fighting with Teal'c and Jack. (laughs) What exactly was Jack trying to accomplish here when he just like put his hands on Simmons' face and it looked like he was almost trying to give Simmons duck lips? (laughs) Like, pinching his lips together? I don't know. I was just wondering, like, is he just trying to keep the hagfish from jumping out of Simmons and taking him over? But if that was a very motivated hagfish, I wouldn't think that just pinching someone's lips closed would be enough to stop that. Also, I didn't get the impression that that's what Simmons was trying to do with his hagfish. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, but Simmons pushes Jack against a wall really hard. He does. Well, he's got Gula. Yes, he does. <laughs> Lowy eyes and all. Indeed. Tilk is back in this fight, but Simmons managed to grab the biggest wrench ever and <laughs> is about to murder Tilk with it and is going to savor the moment. But just then, they leave hyperspace and there's a little bump enough that. It manages to throw him off his game there. And Jack also takes the opportunity to crawl over to some controls and open an airlock while Simmons pays no attention at all to what Jack's doing because he's too busy reveling and murdering Teal'c. And Jack opens the airlock and Simmons gets sucked out, but Teal'c doesn't because Jack is there to hold him back. I had issues with this scene. (laughs) Did you? (laughs) Not surprisingly. Because it happened way too slowly. <laughs> it really did. This would have all been blown out instantly. But this whole thing seemed to be happening in slow motion. And Jack had enough time to brace himself. And I know uh, I thought it was ridiculous when Teal'c is literally on his head, sliding across the hall, and Jack is able to grab him and prevent him from sliding out. No, Jack is not going to have enough grip strength yeah. for that. And also, like I said, it wouldn't be happening that slowly. <laughs> but I thought it was especially absurd that Teal'c was literally on his head as he's sliding <laughs> towards the empty, the open door. I like to, when they close the door and they get up, Jack pets Teal'c a little bit and Teal'c gives him a little yeah. bow of thanks. A little head yep. bow. Yeah. It was just but, such yeah. a bizarre scene. <laughs> so very strange. So they're fine. And we go back to the bridge. SG-1 is all there. The reporter is there as well. Jones asks where the rest of her team is, but hasn't really ended well for the bad guys. So Jack says, don't mind about them. Sam interrupts to say she has no idea where they are. There's supposed to be a planet there, according to Jones. 
but there's no planet. We learn here that she was part of Colonel Mayborn's team on the NID. And when Mayborn was running their off-world up, they found a tablet written in some language of the ancients that described a very large cache of weapons and technology. And this was supposed to be the location of that. But it is not there. Apparently, the location was written in a different language and they had used the Gua'uld to translate that language for them. Smart. And Tilka's basically like, surprise, surprise, the Gua'uld <laughs> lied to yeah. you. So Jack's like, great. Okay, well, the thing isn't here. Let's just go home. And Sam's like, well, see, that's the problem. If I don't know where we are, I cannot set coordinates to then take us home. And also, no one fully accounted for the instability of the Nequadria. We're kind of stuck here because the hyperdrive isn't doing so great either. Uh-oh. What are they going to do now? What are they going to do? They're going to take stock of what they have. Yeah. Jonas reports that the, I guess these are the SFs, Gibson and Finney. Just another bunch of yeah. names to throw out there at the end of the episode. Yeah, because we yeah. need more names. <laughs> To keep track of. These guys, they're going to check on a food supply, but it doesn't look good, which of course, because this was an unfinished spaceship right. in the desert. Why Why would it have any yeah. food supply on it yet? Sam thinks they're at least 1,200 light years from Earth. Jack wants to know how that helps them. And she's like, it doesn't. <laughs> All of a sudden, though, Jonas points their attention towards the view screen where an Asgard ship suddenly appears. <laughs> Not only an Asgard ship, but Thor's ship with Thor awake in it. Yeah, Michael Shanks just can't stay no, away. No, he cannot. Thor appears as a hologram on the bridge. They're all very happy to see him. Thor is grateful for them rescuing him from Anubis. And they are like, great, you're going to... Help us get home then? And Thor's like, actually, no. We need your help. The replicators again. We need you and your ship. They always have favors to ask when they're the, supposed to be the ones that have all this great technology and never do any favors for Earth. But they always want Earth to they do them They really favors. do. They're not very good friends. They're kind of a mooch. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. that's the end of the episode. It it's is the end of the episode. It's a to-be-continued episode. It is. Did you like the episode? I generally did, I think. The premise, it was just bizarre. Okay, it was bizarre. Yeah. Like, you're, it, it was a very convoluted plan. And the only way it works for these bad guys is if not only do they plant these camera crews, but then also start feeding the lady this story. And then that yeah. also assumes that they will definitely be able to bribe her producer or her boss. And right. like... Just so many things. Yeah, and that they would definitely be able to make their way in, which was a huge Yeah, uh, Yeah, because what if to the what ship. if other people yeah. were like Jack and were like, this is a real bad idea. Let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not do that. Let's, you know, let them release whatever bullshit story yeah. about it being a generator. Who cares? Despite, despite, wow. Despite all of this <laughs> implausibility and kind of silliness, I enjoyed Sam doing her thing. And I guess I just enjoyed overall the whole thing, even though it was ridiculous, because it was kind of exciting, I thought. And yeah, I don't know what to say about it. I don't have that much to yeah. say. I'm sorry. Fair. That's fine. <laughs> How about you? 
I don't have much to say about it either, oddly. It was fine. It wasn't great. It was kind of boring at times. It just felt reminiscent of a lot of other episodes. Like, there was nothing particularly unique or interesting about it. Like, yeah, they're on a different ship, but, like, they're sneaking around yet again, you know, trying to take over a ship or get out of a situation. I don't know. It just felt kind of cliche. And I don't really know exactly why, but that was the vibe that I got from it. It was just like, yeah, okay, there's nothing new or interesting about this story, really. It's fine. Well, at least they got rid of the dangling thread of what happens to Kermit Little Simmons and Adrian Conrad. Yeah, and Adrian Conrad. (laughs) True. They won't be back now to cause problems. True. And I did literally laugh out loud when I saw Teal'c on his head. (laughs) It's like somersaulting towards the door in slow motion because that was just so weird. I watched that scene multiple times. <laughs> Obviously don't want Tilk to die, but it was just no. such a weird scene, though. What are you doing? This is not how physics works. It would not be this slow. It wouldn't just be like this weird, random, large breeze. It would be instantaneous. You'd be blown out. Sometimes you do have to laugh at stuff, though. Have I ever told you about when I was working at the video store and the movie Meet Joe Black came out? I don't know if you ever saw that. I did multiple times because it was one of few DVDs that a guy that I was living with ah. at the time. And so I saw it way too My many times, actually. My co spent a lot of time just watching and then rewinding the scene where he gets hit by the car and laughing hysterically at it. That's weird. I, I mean, yeah, it was a kind of comical, weird. like, getting hit by the car, but it was... Yeah, but still, yeah. though. <laughs> yeah. That's it's an weird. oddball. Yeah. <laughs> Quite. But anyway, that's what I think about when I think about comically people getting hill- hurt or killed. <laughs> yeah, well, he wasn't even hurt or killed because Jack saved it's him true. It's in true. slow motion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Do you want to ask what's next? Uh, oh, I guess. <laughs> what's, what's next? Season 6, episode 12, Unnatural Selection. When SG-1 is marooned in deep space, Thor... And the ancients. Where the ancients are going to come into what? play? That's what? Weird. Okay. I don't know. It says Thor and the ancients come to the rescue. They then seek O'Neill's help to combat the replicators who have overrun the homeworld, convinced they will attack Earth if not stopped. O'Neill stages a daring mission to stop the replicators once and for all. That has to be a typo. It's supposed to be Asgard, I- right? Don't remember, yeah. yeah, I do not remember the ancients really no. ever coming back once that amazing chick left. Another thing that could be next, I know you're going to read another thing. No, go read yes, the other thing first. Ahead. Oh, I haven't even looked it up Okay, yet. well, while you're looking it up, another thing yes. that we all could listen to at some point, if you wanted, was a story <laughs> where Jay and Gary accidentally send John Linnell and John Flansburg into the SGC using the transporter <laughs> aboard their spam ship. Linnell and Flansburg yes. are shocked that the Stargate exists. Linnell writes a song about the Stargate, and they put on a concert in the gate room with the Stargate as the backdrop. Yes, I love this. I love all of this. I want to hear this story. <laughs> Meanwhile, though, on Natural Selection 2, the TVDB says the team is called into battle unexpectedly when the Asgard, not the ancients here, when the Asgard homeworld is overrun by replicators, which have evolved into a startling new form. Hmm. I already watched this episode. <laughs> 
I'm gonna watch it again because I again I didn't take notes I was just like I want to binge watch Stargate and I never can and I never do and I just watched like three episodes it is binge worthy I will probably be doing that now that I've got extra time on my hands at least until my classes start (laughs) in another week I submitted my final grades I went to my last work meeting and then slept as I said for two and a half hours (laughs) yeah yeah that's everything Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening to us, everybody. If you would please subscribe to our podcast, we would appreciate it. If you'd tell your friends about it, we'd also appreciate it. Leaving us a review, I will virtually hug you if you want. You just have to tell uh, me about it. We often get notifications when I review, oh, when reviews have been nice. left via the inbox, but not always. I don't know if we actually, we don't get notifications for some of the podcast okay. things. We only get notifications if reviews are left via the Fair. website. If you would like to guarantee your virtual hug once you've submitted a review, please feel free to contact <laughs> us, which you can do by emailing us at stargazing.space or through the website, either vocally or in writing. Kathy's great at hugs. Real and virtual. <laughs> Thanks. Can confirm. Yay. One of my students was waiting out in the hall for me the other day to ask if she could have a hug and to Aww. thank me for being her teacher and I almost That's cried. So sweet. It was so cute. Speaking of Aww. hugs, yeah. <laughs> now I'm hugging you virtually for that cuz Yay, virtual so hugs. Cute. It really was. She she wrote me the sweetest thank you letter too. It was great. Oh, that's wonderful. It was. I suppose I should get back to this. Probably. I'm out of my beer. Hurry it up, lady. You can follow us if you'd like on Instagram at stargatesing. Sometimes we post funny things. Sometimes <laughs> I, actually we do we post funny things i we don't do. know what else we i post. post on instagram yeah we post on instagram more than we do on mastodon which is infrequently and mastodon, mastodon yeah. semi-regularly on instagram mastodon's the other place you can visit us if you'd like at stargazing at mastodon.world it's a mouthful i'll try to be better about that i could be try. good about it too but i am a also, monster you could i don't think you even have the login i don't <laughs> i should give you that <laughs> If you would like to support us, you can visit us at stargatesing at patreon.com. Yeah, we're maybe at some point we'll have bonus episodes where we tell stories like Senator Kinsey attempts to spam the polls in an effort to win the presidency and shut down the Stargate program. Jay and Gary, who is particularly offended as creation of spam is being used for evil, stop him. SG-1 <laughs> takes Kinsey into custody where he will never eat spam again. Oh, no. Tragic. I'm totally buying spam next time I go to the grocery store. I need to try it. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. I will report back on how it goes. Yeah. I don't go to the grocery store very often anymore now that I have my BJ's membership. Nice. Though, so no promises as to when that happens. But oh, you have a BJ's someday. membership too? Not BJ's, Costco. <laughs> I don't know. I get the two confused. They're the same, essentially. Bico? Yeah. G- yeah. Bosco? Bosco? so i'm kathy i'm mary and you've been listening to stargazing (laughs) kind of kind of i mean you have the end the end (laughs) 
Jay Hormel and Gary Thurk found themselves standing in the SGC's control room, marveling at the Stargate in front of them. They were there at the invitation of Major Doctor Samantha Doctor Carter, who had promised to show them something incredible. Welcome, gentlemen, Carter said as she walked up to them. I'm so glad you could come. I have something to show you I think you'll find fascinating. What is it? Gary asked eagerly. Carter grinned. It's the power source for the Stargate, and it's something I think you'll appreciate. She led the two men to a corner of the room where a large can of Spam was sitting on a pedestal. <laughs> Gary's eyes widened. Is that? Carter nodded. Yes, it's Spam. It's an incredibly powerful source of energy, and it's what we use to power the Stargate. It does give energy. <laughs> that does. is true. Don't know that it would power a Stargate, though. <laughs> Jay looked at the can skeptically. I find that hard to believe. Spam is just a meat in a can. Carter chuckled. It's not just any meat. It's specially formulated to be extremely dense in energy, and it's perfect for powering the Stargate. At that moment, Teal'c walked into the room. Indeed, Major Carter is correct, he said. <laughs> the Gould used many sources of power for their technology, but none were as efficient as Spam. Gary and Jay exchanged amazed looks. We had no idea. Carter smiled. I thought you might find it interesting, and I have something else to show you. She led them to another corner of the room where a stack of boxes was sitting. These are all the other Spam flavors that we use for different purposes. Are there more than one flavor of Spam? I don't know, but apparently ChatGPT thinks so and or it's taking artistic license here. Fair. Hickory smoke is great for powering the dial home device. (laughs) (laughs) And teriyaki is perfect for generating the force field that protects the gate. Jay and Gary were both speechless. I know it's a lot to take in, Carter said, but I'm glad I could share it with you. Tilk added, indeed, you have given these men a great gift. Jay and Gary looked at each other, amazed. They had never realized their product had such incredible potential. As they left the SGC, Jay turned to Gary. Who knew that Spam could do all that? Gary shook his head. I guess we never really knew what we had on our hands, but I'm glad we do now. <laughs> This is fantastic. It's so ridiculous. I love it. 